Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, hi everyone, welcome to Watch Review, part of Nam Talk Network. On this show, we review the latest film drop or throwbacks celebrating a milestone while eating and drinking our favorite movie snacks and drinks. I'm your host, Alejandro, and right now I am enjoying <laughs> my adult, what I call movie snacks here. So this is a little tree of very colorful treats here, with a little pocky and some, a lot of uh, gelatin snacks like crazy, and yeah, you know, goldfish, it's all things with the healthy grown band needs, along with a little <clears throat> shameless plug, uh, Coca-Cola, <clears throat> sponsor us, please. Um, but here I am joined by a great, great friend of mine and great co-host here. This is Derek. Say hello, my friend. Hello, everyone. How are you? Uh, I'm very excited to be back. Uh, I am drinking my nighttime adult beverage of a mango passion fruit, uh, only featured in Seattle, by the way. The only place that you can get it. I just I happen to have a hookup. So if you're ever in Seattle and looking for a very special adult beverage, um, definitely check them out. They're they're pretty great. You said passion mango. It, well, this one is a it's a mango passion fruit, um, and it's uh, it's by a company called Mojo. Right on. Um, right and on. they are yes, they are exclusive uh, to to Seattle. Uh, I think they're moving into Portland a little bit. Um, uh-huh. but, but really right now, the only place you can get them is Seattle. So heck yeah. Right. Th- they're, they're delicious. Delicious. That sounds delicious, man. I'm already like, oh, I was already like, you know, just salivating the mouth. I was like, oh, man, that sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, so tonight we are going to be discussing today event horizon. Um, personally, this film, uh, creeped me the hell out when I first saw it. Um, Derek, I have to already start into this. We'll go right into it in general. I have to ask you, uh, initially your interaction with this film. Um, when did you first see it and your initial response? Yeah, that. man. So I, I actually saw this movie, uh, when I was way too young. Um, <laughs> I, so, uh, this movie, I actually hadn't rewatched this movie in probably close to 20 years. Um, I did it. Re- I, we did it recently, like when the last like couple of years, uh, revisit it. And it obviously it doesn't have the same effect, but, uh, I, so I saw this movie when I was maybe, let's see, it was 97. So I was probably like 14 years old, 14, 15 years old. Uh, and it was like a challenge, right? Everybody that I knew that had seen it, that had parents that let them watch R rated movies, uh, you know, were like, Oh, it's the scariest movie you'll ever watch. Like, don't watch it alone. And I was like, please, I got this. So sure enough, I watched Event Horizon at 15 years old, alone, in the dark, downstairs, by myself, (laughs) with no comfort, (laughs) and watched this grotesque, violent movie about a ship ship from hell. (laughs) And I have never been the same. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I just realized you just said that. I just thought about the movie Ghost Ship. Oh my, oh my God. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to have to discuss this later with you. Oh. Damn it. Ah, God. Okay. Okay. You know, I, that, it's funny. I will have to tell you a uh, similar story, a little vibe myself. I'm probably around the same age, give or take uh, you know, three or four years. And like, it, honestly, it, you know, I wanted to say it was TNT Monster Vision, like almost every like 31 of my other previous scary movies that I've seen with this with the show. But it was more along the lines of I remember it was the older uh, guys I was hanging out with. And they're like, hey, you want to see do you like space? Like, yes, it's great. Like, do you like astronauts? Like, yeah. And like, do you like scary stuff? And I was like, I, I, I don't know. And I was trying to be like, you know, positive about it and like, oh, whatever. So we now sat down and watch this damn movie. And the funny thing is, is that this movie confused me at first because 
um, and we'll talk about this later too as well. I thought this was Hellraiser initially when I saw it because I didn't remember the, introdu- the introduction to the film itself. And I just remembered like vivid, crazy shots that this produced such of like the barbed wire, the barbed wire and the constant gothic slash futuristic, you know, concepts of, you know, geometric and mechanical blood. I was like, whatever. That's all I remembered from this thing because I was traumatized as shit. And, and I remember I couldn't remember. I didn't get to finish it initially. And so I bailed out. I forgot because I think my mom had to pick me up from this house. And uh, I took off, you know, and I just, it stuck with me. And people kept on saying, like, and eventually as I got more into horror, people were like, have you seen Hellraiser? Have you seen Hellraiser? So I confused this movie with Hellraiser for like at least five uh, to 10 years of my life. That, so, that is amazing. Yeah. And uh, just FYI, uh, Mab, who's one of the best editor-in-chiefs of NerdBot, greatest nerd website in the world. You should absolutely go check it out. Um, she has a theory, a headcanon theory that the core in event horizon is actually a hellraiser puzzle box and that's that's what the ship is and so it it is actually it can fit into the hellraiser cannon a hundred percent yeah yeah did that 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 just blew my mind because like like doesn't it just work like it just it just works yeah i think because like honestly because it actually takes them to another dimension and Mm -hmm. oh man spoiler alert we'll we'll talk about this because this show is going to be a little ping pong back and forth here but it would take them to an altered dimension whereas exactly this dimension seems to be you know concept of pain which in hellraise they do mention the concept of pain and never the concept of hell so yeah that would that would work that was (laughs) Yep. I like that. Yep. Oh when, when, she told, when she told me that the last time we had talked about this movie, she told me that I have, I've just, I've, it's truth. It's fact now for me. Like oh. I've no argument, no notes. That is the best head cannon theory I've ever Mavs, heard. You have, oh my God. She, oh, we got to talk about that. Oh, we definitely got to talk about them more. Okay. So, all right. So in this point we understand. Okay. Oh my Lord. All right. So in the beginning of this initial film, um, we have, obviously in this era of time travel that we understand or in this i would say uh universe that time that uh the speed of light is obviously theoretical but it actually can travel at a distance not just in time um so also right, we're, we're only 25 years away from the, when event horizon takes place <laughs> exactly oh Lord. so we got a lot of work to do guys <laughs> tons tons or or they have started stuff. This is low key, not telling us. <laughs> that's that's oh, maybe true. That's maybe I know, true. right? Oh lord! So in this like in this era they have going on, right? So technically speaking, they're going to the outer belt, uh, outer belts of Neptune. And in the early beginning of this movie, it mentions the fact that the ship is called the Event Horizon, correct? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this ship goes on mission, uh, unknown to most, and technically disappears. Just gone push and then so in the lore and theory amongst the world right now it's technically destroyed and dead fast forward you have this now ship discovery crew that is now on an emergency mission you have uh doctor i know i'm dr grant <laughs> it's on the on the ship you have and his crew he's, he's just crazy dr grant that's it that's all he is <laughs> he's just like the evil dr grant doppelganger like that's <laughs> I know, right? Easily, easily. Now, I have to ask you, in the beginning of the film, I, and and I'll, I'll definitely respond here, what was your initial response? Like, the story that was presented to you in the 20 seconds that initially happened, and the introduction of, I'd say, what, the first eh, 20 minutes of the film, the vibe of it, 
um, you know, in regards to even the cast itself, how, how did you initially feel about it? Yeah, I, I actually think this is one of the strengths of Event Horizon. Um, I actually think the movie is, is a bit front loaded. Um, so as much as I like, you know, when things get a little crazy and it gets a little horrific and, you know, we, we start to kind of uncover all the things that what this actually is and the kind of supernatural, interdimensional, violent mystery. Um, I think it works kind of, but it's not the most interesting part. I think the idea that you and the audience or you as the audience member and the crew know just as much about Event Horizon as as together right they don't have any other information than what you're given so all of their experiences on this ship as things start to get weirder and weirder and weirder and they they you know their own rescue ship gets destroyed and they have to go on to this event horizon it all feels like it's a series of bad events that happen in space but the atmosphere that that i'd say the whole first act probably the whole first half of the movie the atmosphere that it creates within those first 45 minutes where we don't really know what's going on. They don't know what's going on, but something really, really bad is going on. Um, I think that is probably the, the the best of best portion of this entire movie. Um, and when you talk about Paul W. S. Anderson, it is hands down the most patient I think he's ever been when it comes to really unfolding the story, letting the atmosphere breathe. Um, and that's what makes this movie so frightening. I, I actually don't even think it's the violence that got left on the cutting room floor or anything like that. It's you and them trying to uncover the mystery at the same time. Like that to me is just, I, I love the the whole first act uh, of, of this movie. I, I think it's probably its best for sure. It's great you should say that too as well. Cause um, you know, as you're saying this and it's funny cause little bits and pieces, like initially you mentioned, you know, the ghost ship in the, in space. And now the concept of like how the delivery from him in general, because, you know, we're looking at Paul S. Anderson is like, what are we looking at? Like Mortal Kombat or even like all the Resident Evils. Um, I mean, there's a lot of fast paced sci-fi blood gore quickly to the point, like chop them, get up and going. And in point, you're like, wait a minute, there's plot holes here and there. But in general, I do enjoy a lot of his colorful deliveries or how in regards to that action pace, it always seems modern, even like his past stuff still seems modern in a sense to me. Um, But that being said, as much as I was terrified as a kid, I got to swing around as an adult and actually watch this a few times. And because one uh, confusion on it was like, hey, you know, um, th- this is what I thought was Hellraiser. I'm like, no, no, hold on, wait a minute. You actually know this is what, you know, this was Event Horizon. I was like, what? So, <laughs> you know, this pace coming into it, uh, I was initially like really interested. Um, you hit the nail on the head, though. I-, I was surprised that in that little paragraph and a half, what they tell you, and then your introduction to you knowing that, okay, we can evidently travel to Neptune and Mars. And evidently, you know, there's people in colonies where you actually get to enjoy time space but at the same time they are now what we know are surrounded by nothingness absolute dark space and you know terror so getting to this initial interaction it, it seems like there's just enough story pacing and just enough jump scares in the beginning to be like a happy medium you don't really you don't really think about it i didn't really think about it you just mentioned it now um i will say that the introduction pacing reminds me a little bit of alien in, in general mm-hmm. of them going mm-hmm. under the ships right yeah. uh, but at the same time you get enough of that in-depth uh i would say explanation that i would say even somewhat i know this is not we're not gonna compare it really really script by script to uh, what I would joke around to um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So that's initial toy. You know, there's so many you have enough dialogue. Like, oh, okay, now we understand that this, these people are living through this, uh, you know, initial um, 
uh, I would say experience. Yeah. Also, I want to mention this there because I was looking on IMDb and a couple things about it. I didn't realize, and visually to me, rewatching because I rewatched it uh, just about a day ago, and the uniforms and just the like costume design and just the set was just in depth. It was really good. And yeah. uh, like looking on some, I guess, I don't know if you noticed, but on the patches, you'll see uh, similar things from the Australian union or from United States, UN and the interesting things that they purposely made these flight suits to go inside with current governments to work with pilots and engineers. And they, they altered the tags and made theoretical unions from local nations and they made them represent them from who they are and i was like what the hell and and looking back i was like they actually did that so it's like one of those things where um i think initially now we're getting a cult following and people are liking this show a lot more after reruns right um so if we're digressing too much you got the initial you know interaction coming in we understand that now uh that they are trying to salvage a ship with some unknown origins to it we initially just get sideswiped with obvious introduction we're in this like your background shows right now this huge metallic room that that's why i get confused with hellraiser and a couple of things in, in general just you know geometric shapes and just eerie but futuristic concepts of just it would to me look like ancient lore at one time being mm-hmm. then we find out that we're gonna call him space dr grant was like hey yo this is actually my design you know this is what i've done uh but that initial concept of that uh, gel movement of the 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 was it the reactor, the gravity reactor, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, right when Homeboy puts it in, they call him Baby Bear, a nickname. When he put his hand, I'm like, why put your freaking hand in a portal? Like, it, like if anybody in existence, even if you don't like watch horror movies, you don't put your hand in an unknown. <laughs> like, I don't. Am I wrong? Or <laughs> no, it's it's such a it's such a bad sci-fi trope. So I, I, I want to touch on two things. So one, when you were talking about um kind of openings and how this movie compares, mm-hmm. I the other movie that came to mind, and this one does it significantly better for much longer, um, but I'm reminded of the descent. Um mm. because everything that is truly terrifying about the descent isn't actually what happens when they get into the cave. It's them going through the cave and realizing they have no way back. Like that is everything about that. Like the creatures that show up, they're like the least of my worries. Like <laughs> yeah. this, that movie taps into its fear, but it also um, is another movie that literally creates these real life sets, right? It creates these big, giant, elaborate sets. And you feel that in Event Horizon. And even though some of the you know larger effects don't really hold up anymore, because everything is so practical and you are truly on board the event horizon uh with these people i i think it just adds again to that atmosphere of just this creep factor and then going back to the point that you just made you go into this gigantic strange core that like no you you've never seen a design like this and it's a big it's real and it's a practical set that moves um and so when it turns into this gravity portal you you Yes, it's a horrible science trope, right? Science fiction loves to do stuff like that. Every time, the biggest offender, I mean, they all do it, but the biggest offender uh, is Prometheus. Yeah. Where, where they where, did a show two days, a couple oh, of weeks ago. God. Where, where every, the whole time they're walking through the cave, they're like, don't touch anything, don't look at anything, just do your research and get back to the ship. And then all of a sudden, a little snake did, or whatever it is. Sorry, I was going to curse, but no, you're uh, good. Hey, go ahead. A, a little, a little phallic snake monster comes up from the water, and the guy's like, Ooh, I just got to touch it. And I'm like, 
What are you? What are you doing? <laughs> Why is come this here, happening? beautiful? He says, "Come here!" Like what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah, baby bear touching the gravity thing. It's it's very light. It's very akin to that, but not as egregious, right? Because there's a there's a bit more of a wonder here, um, and I think it's it's an almost forgivable cliche because of how we are experiencing the things on the ship. Like things are escalating, and you can you can write it off as him just being like mesmerized or curious or just dumbfounded or even the ship telling him to touch it right like yeah, yeah. there's there's some of that going on uh, but yeah it's, it's a very very common trope uh in science fiction <laughs> for sure oh i'm gonna hop back to the comments here real quick here because i want to go into the chat here and say hello to some of our viewers here so we have q in the house what is q uh we also have michael here as well q says i might say let's see here i want to go up here all right, so Q mentioned previously, I'm not going to spoil Sandman with the uh, with or anything, but I watched the series, and it's uh, just, let's say, I meant to say the final finale, and I'm shook. So he's kind of making some references previously from our uh, shows talking about the Sandman. Um, along here as well, uh, Q jokes around making reference previously earlier, Derek, when he uh, when you mentioned you were scared. He says, did you pee on the couch, Derek? Uh, just joking, <laughs> kidding, kidding. <laughs> and then, I was fine if I was so scared. <laughs> and he also says, I can get scared easy, and if there's a crazy kill scene or a jump scares, I would thought I'd have an asthma attack. Um, I feel you there, buddy. It, man, it, it gets intense with the with the jump scares, you know, for sure with some of this stuff here. Um, but but yeah, oh my lord, yeah, you know the whole classic cliche in regards to like the opening scenes and like what's going on, what what's the you know initial interaction. So um, <laughs> you're right, it does for me <laughs> the same way. And then he literally like, come here, beautiful. That thing comes at him, and the same concept. It's like, let me stick my hand in the cold, dark, metallic liquid, and what happens? Sucker gets grabbed and he gets sucked in right at this point. Yep. Yep. You know, I, I think the only smart people, in my opinion, and, and for the record, before I go into this, um, they do so well in regards to going against what you initially think the jump scares would be. So, for example, um, you would have that interaction where there's been plenty of like camera focusing on one area and the thing actually happening behind them. It's not necessarily a kill. It's like a spark of light or an explosion. And you're like, Oh shit. You just get jumped by the fact that they're being scared too. So the fact that you mentioned that you, we feel as if we're in the ship, we're actually experiencing things with them that you mentioned before we get ex experiences of their scared as well. And I, that's what one thing that scares the shit out of me, because we eventually find out now um, that once this, uh, once that, you know, baby gets pulled, baby bear gets pulled in the portal. Temper, he gets technically saved temporarily, um, you know, coming into the concept. And we now start to see parts of the actual, you know, multiple, you know, crew members of, or two per se, uh, being getting hints of, we'd say, voices or uh, PTSD like memories. Um, and, you know, which is crazy because you, you, oh my God, I want to bring up this point here because you, you mentioned it, you know, we get this crazy huge open space and yet, they do an excellent job on because okay so when you typically think about a lot of i'd say horror-like genre scenes in space or initially in just the horror genre in general everything's condensed if something's coming at you we are in vents you're crawling really quickly you're coming into close tight spaces there's a lot of things depending on certain camera angles that get you and yet there's so much open space in this damn movie and you don't feel safe like even in the fucking med rooms that you're actually there in, in which there's brief moments of, you know, they said, Hey, do you have, 
um what do you uh claustrophobia and he's like you know talk to you know he's like, yeah a little bit he puts him in there but in reality he experiences it maybe for 10 seconds and then the rest of it is an open space and yet there's no place to be safe and yeah i think once again i want to go back to what your point you brought earlier is they do so well of the camera work and perspective of you actually being the actual uh individual and I will say that the movie initially got some bad rap. Uh, we're looking at something that was a $60 million budget and it only technically hit $28 million in the States and got quick public release because Paramount was scared and reached another, I think it was like 16.7, which made it about just a little bit of $40 million. So they were still like yeah. $20 million short in that aspect. But... <clears throat> And they it got gathered. trounced by critics too. It was yeah, it, oh not, god, critics did not like the. I think it's at like a twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. only thing right now, it it upon the public rating is the IMDb rating. The IMDb rating that's a six point seven a ten. That's the largest one right now. You like you said, Rotten Tomatoes got a thirty six percent. There's other pairs, people that have fifteen or twenty percent. Uh, but the initial thing is the same old, same old in regards to release dates. Initially, what happened was, um, I believe this Titanic was not going to be released at the expected date that it was supposed to be. And there was so much money invested in it. And they were using and reaching out to all their smaller projects, quote unquote, and pushing them out early releases. And essentially, they cut this, I think, was it a year? They cut it a year yeah. early release. This thing came out yeah. a year early ahead of time. And honestly, I think they did still a pretty damn good job with it. I think they did. And, too. and they gutted it by, I mean, they gutted almost an hour out of this movie. Um, oh, did they? Yeah, dude. This movie. So, Event Horizon is actually closer to being about an. Uh, it's closer to being about two, two and a half hours. Like the the original cut that he had submitted. Obviously, that was still going to get edited down a little bit. Yeah. But there's a good hour of this movie um, that got put on the cutting room floor for release because Paramount was like, "No, this is too violent. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. No one's going to watch this movie." Like they they uh-huh. really gutted this film. Um, and then when it developed a cult following years later um they actually did try to go back and restore some of that stuff in there but because so much time had passed a lot of that film and a lot of those originals had been lost or destroyed so they were never able to actually put the whole movie together the way that he wanted um and so when you think about that like i'm i'm not gonna sit here and tell you like release the anderson cut i'm not (laughs) i'm not i'm not that guy i like the movie that we got um But it, but it is interesting that this movie even still makes sense uh, you know, in any way, uh, yeah. it's considering all the hurdles that it had. And, uh, you know, the fact that we probably never would have seen this movie, honestly, it's a miracle that yeah. this movie even got released, let alone made. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's pretty wild, man, how this movie came to be. And that makes so much sense what you're saying, too, as well, because initially when I um, interrupt the profit. Uh, so technically speaking it was already ready set and go as you said uh previously going in and they technically got past the majority of i believe it was like producers and official headwigs at paramount right supposedly there's about 10 of them that haven't saw it yet and they watched the pre-release like screening <laughs> and supposedly four of them fainted in the middle of it because it was too grotesque so that's where the pressure of cutting, I, I didn't know this, and that makes sense to me now, yeah. uh, to do a, a lot of cuts. And evidently that makes sense to me because I it didn't know that much of it was cut. Um, there, evidently, that, little, that little hell orgy scene is like 10 minutes long. Oh, <laughs> maybe we got <laughs> lucky about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not it's not little, little video clips that you don't really get to know what's going on. He filmed this crazy, bizarre Hellraiser death oh, orgy. God. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that was intense, bro. I didn't expect that. Like, out of the yeah. whole movie, that 
10 seconds. That 10 seconds was the hardest for me. No, I will say, I was like, rough. what the hell? Oh my God. Um, but, you know, and, and the crazy thing about it was, so evidently uh, he was working on um, a film or Anderson was working on a film with Jeff Bridges um, a while back. And he said, they we're talking about the bad reviews they were getting about Event Horizon. And Jeff Bridges looked at him and said, look, he goes, it's going to be a great film in about 10 years time. Promise. It's going to have a cult following. And the funny thing was, is that at the initial release they did, once they pulled it out, fan, you know, fanboys like us, we just started hopping on, you know, right away and just wanted to re- you know watch this thing. And it got so much profit from international sales that they reached out to Anderson and asked him, Hey, can we have the other film that you had read it? You can do, you know, go ahead and do it. And his response was, I, and this makes, it makes your, you know, people saying them deleting the film. He goes, you made me delete so much and I had to get it out and I had nowhere to store it. I, I don't know where it's at. I can't give it to you. If I, w- I would have been evidently, they were looking at some big profit too. Yep. That, <laughs> that could possibly happen for that too as well. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. So here we are now uh, constantly in this point of the film. Uh, we now understand that, you know, this film is possibly possessed with, uh, you know, <laughs> Dr. Grant hearing his, which looks like um, possible love interest. Cause it doesn't really announce it quite yet. Yeah, Keeps yeah. on you know, calling his name, you know, um, you do actually have the doctor herself that's in there, their med uh, specialist over there, trauma specialist or med specialist. Um, she at the time being is seeing what looks like her son because he initially sees it. But oh, man, the effects that they show on the son and like, I, yeah, there was initial CGI on the eyes that threw me off a little bit because I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But honestly, at the time being, that didn't bug me. That scared the crap out of me. So, yeah. uh, you know, to me, I was still uh, one thing, you know, that I want to definitely bring up was the actual practical effects. There was a decent amount. I mean, uh, honestly, like it looks like 90% of it in my eyes. And there might, you know, correct me wrong, but it actually, I was surprised for the 90s, you know, what's going on for, you know, what we had and, and what we worked with. So there's, to me, well, there's, there's something to be said about, and, and this kind of ties in a little bit to what I just watched, but um, there, I, I am genuinely starting to miss uh, the blend of practical effects and, and digital effects. I, there's, my some of my favorite movies to come out this year that kind of lean in you know operate in that space um everything everywhere all at once is a great example that you know it's it's this massive blend of purely visual effects but they do so many practical things that that blend is is just you just miss it from cinema and some of that is just the marvel gloss and i get it you're dealing with all kinds of multiverses and stuff like that so like yeah sure everything's going to be glossy but like I just watched House of House of the Dragon, and uh, man, I I genuinely enjoy. I'm not going to spoil anything. No, no, go, go ahead, go, go ahead. Um, I, I genuinely enjoyed it, but there, they, the, the stark difference uh, between. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I'm I'm 12. Uh, the the stark difference between the things that they were doing previously to what they're doing now, where yes, Game of Thrones originally had a gigantic budget. But it didn't have the budget it has now, so they were forced to work with practical effects and you know, kind of you know, mitigate a lot of that stuff. Where here they have an endless supply of money; they can make the most expensive episodes they want. But all that translates into is just vis- visual effects, just bad, poor visual effects that yeah. just don't look good. Um, and so, to your point, when you work with a film like this, where it's only a sixty million dollar budget and they're incredibly constrained and they can't hire gigantic visual effects studios to you know do that it is actually cheaper and more efficient to just create practical effects and just create practical sets and i think that is 
one of the strengths of this movie. Um, obviously, Paul W. Sanderson would go on to never use practical effects again. Um, but <laughs> at least we know at one point in his career, he was all about it. His trio of Resident Evils and... and <laughs> God. And, I, I'm, and I'm making fun of it. And yet here I am laughing at myself because... I love Resident Evil for what it is. I hate that I, I, I like do some too. of the I, I do too. Oh, if you guys, anybody listening, if you guys want to blame someone for why they keep making these films, it is 100% my fault. I, I am, I'll take I'm with you. I'm yeah, with you. Yeah. When, when somebody asks, who keeps watching these movies? It's me. It's, like, it's me. The like, freaking Derek and Alejandro keep buying yeah. these damn tickets and go and stop watching them. Yeah, are, stop buying the Blu-ray After Effects. Deck. What are you doing? You, you, why do you need physical copies? We have digital media. Why do you buy both? Because we want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're not good. I'm not <laughs> defending it like, <laughs> at all. But I, I genuinely love them. But yeah, it's it, 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 you're absolutely right. The practical effects in this movie, I, I think just the big giant sets, I think they're done really, really well. And uh, you know, for something that could be heavily reliant on just outright visual effects, I mean, you're you're doing a haunted house movie in space. Like that's that's essentially what this is when you strip it down to its bare bones. Um, and that, that premise alone just like lends itself to digital effects. Like it just screams digital effects. Like that's what you'd want to do. But instead he chooses to build the event horizon essentially. And that, that just instantly creates a better haunting atmosphere. And you're right. When those things start happening, when they start hearing the voices, when they start seeing the hallucinations, when, the ship starts to feel more alive, more and more and more. Um, again, when you talk about the camera angles, like that's such a great thing to bring up because we're not there. The villain is the ship. Like the ship is what is possessed. And so when you're looking for <laughs> things to do, just, <laughs> but when you're when you're looking for things to freak you out, it's the ship turning on lights. It's the ship shutting doors. It's the ship opening lock chambers. Like it's the ship literally coming to life. Uh, to essentially kill these people. Um, and it's just that kind of stuff, I think, is where this movie is really, really strong. Um, and, and I think it does a good job in, in doing that because it, it knows where to kind of find its haunts and, and jump scares um, for, for the large part of the film. Like I said, I think towards the end, when we just go full-on supernatural horror, um, I, I do think it loses its way a little bit. It, it breaks away from the practical, gets into all digital, gets gets a little wonky. Uh, I think find the Hellfire snuff tapes. Uh, that, that's <laughs> Hellfire snuff tapes. I meant to say Hellraiser. <laughs> no, no, no it, it's now Hellfire sex tapes. That's, <laughs> if I learned anything from this show, that's it. That's what. I, that's that's my takeaway. Success. <laughs> it's Hellfire sex tapes. That's, <laughs> That's my review. No notes. Three point five out of five popcorn buckets. Exactly. I was gonna get to that. So you and I both see this film as a three point five out of five you know, popcorn <laughs> buckets here. Um, it, it, you know, and initially this were kind of this is why I actually go ahead. This is where the three point five comes in per se. Um, the storytelling, I like you said, it initially quick in the beginning. Um, nice, efficient enough of information puts you in a nice environment. Um, we are brought to a situation which you typically think it'd be difficult, you know, given wide space. Now we're terrified of the situation because we understand it's like 
you know, discovering this lore, discovering the ship, as you said. So it's this huge open ship with massive possibilities here. And it's a lot of strategic scares that we start to see. And then, yeah, we obviously see a lot of blood and gore in regards to uh, PTS memories of, uh, you know, we're looking at Miller too. I'm going to call him Morpheus, <laughs> um, you know, as well too. Um, but Peter's, you know, uh, in regards to her being, you know, the major doctor, um, as well. Uh, but you know, the thing about it is, is that all this being said, they do a job with comedic aspect aspects of, uh, the, you know, Cooper, uh, played by Richard T. Jones, um, in there as well. And I, I'm happy that he seems to be the guy with sense in the mo most of the film, um, <laughs> you know, in regards to reactions and what to do and how to do it. Uh, but you know, fast forward a little bit here, cause I, I don't guess too much. We are now. Uh, discovering the fact that this ship has pretty much just fucked with everybody mentally and bringing up the fact that these ultra dimensions, we find out the ship travels in space light years away because it takes, you know, the concept of reality of physics, the you know, quickest distance between two objects being, you know, a straight line. But in this way, it's not that case. It takes it folded in half in which I finally understand how it understood time travel in a sense was this damn movie it scares the crap out of me first time i ever heard the concept first yeah. and, and i know it's yeah. a it's a pretty common sci-fi uh, uh -huh. trope of how to explain time travel um but that's the first i will never forget and he folds a piece of paper and and puts the pencil through it and i was like <laughs> oh oh that's how that works yeah okay sure that's <laughs> yeah, <it's> exactly <laughs> Yeah. And I, that's the same thing, like the, the simple concept of that, right? It just happened to me. And I was like, and I never, you know, as, as much as I, you know, was terrified of the film, it actually put me enough at a, um, a position now to be like, oh, okay, this is, you know, that explains to me, it stuck with me as a kid that, okay, there's a lot of blood and gore and oh, that's how that tra travel concept works. Um, so you get that concept of reality, what the ship is, because uh, we also have, you know, Space Grant talking about the concept of, you know, of the concept of being real because half the crew is in disbelief. Um, we see the ship now went into another universe which we're going to call it the hellraiser universe because I, I like mabs's theory i i dig that um uh, and so this universe seems to be based off of pain and destruction so it then altered and got connected with ours and now we have the ship that's possessed with this i would say soul entity like thing right um so now we have baby bear that had a tragic incident he went back out because his body was possessed and he got himself to go ahead and pretty much kill himself decompressed air coming back slightly alive with you know explosions and guts internal nastiness um so, so that's such a gross scene too. oh god I, it, so gross ah uh, the floating i think i just oh yeah, and, and, yeah and, no it's, uh, it's so good it's so good i, uh, I yeah yeah lord i it, you know part of it too the fact that it, part of me is like you know, telling him, cover your eyes, like as, <laughs> as Miller's is saying this. And you know, he's doing like, I don't know if he's doing his best. I'm not ever stuck out in space having a situation. I'm hoping I never had this situation in my life. I will die happy knowing I would never have to die this way. So, but the concept, it just, oh, you're right. They do it so well too. Cause once again, a nice mixture of CGI and practical effects in that situation, because it hits a little bit of CGI in regards to his eyes. Then it goes to practical effects when you see the actual lacerations and so forth, mixing his blood with the CGI. Um, so now we see you have people technically, you know, dying left and right. And at this point, I think my argument with the storyline is the fact of what entity owns a ship. How did it take it over? Like what's so massive that could take a ship that, you know, that works off of gravity and, and black holes. And, and this, this is the part where I got confused. Like, Yes, I understand that it explained a time travel concept to me, and I thought that was amazing. And I understood the you know, gravity concept, but what got to me and the reason why I kind of went down on it per se was, one, 
the quick, you know, interaction that was the middle of the movie, in my opinion, that yes, there was these deaths that were happening. Yes, they did excellent at scaring the crap out of people, but I thought the pacing was fast. Now, by all means, I'm totally okay with being you know, wrong, but it, 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 am I, it, was there anything that, you know, bugged you the most that at this yeah, point here? Yeah, I, I think, I think when it starts to try, I, the only thing I would disagree with, but I think we actually come to the same conclusion um, is for me, I actually think the more, the more the film tries to explain itself and the more it tries to explain what's actually happening to us, um, I actually think is where it loses its footing because we're, okay. we're so invested in the mystery, right? This, we, we are, we are aware that something is not right with the ship. The ship is quite possibly alive. Um, or if not, wherever it traveled to, it has brought something mysterious back. And yeah. we, we don't know what that is. We don't know what that could be. Um, but all we really need to know is that it shouldn't be here. Like it, it shouldn't be in this world. And it has now used this vehicle of this ship to enter into our world. And it wants to bring things back. If, if we had never tried to go beyond that, right? Like it, you know, because I, I use the terminology hell, but the film kind of leans towards that like that's kind of where it is or you know a hell plane or you know whatever it has kind of this muddied watered like half-baked undercooked type of explanation for it where i almost think it would be better and and even more haunting if like we just never know where the hell the ship went and what it brought back with it but all we know is that it, it shouldn't be here and we shouldn't interact with this thing at all send that shit back like it doesn't matter what it is we don't want it here at all. Um, and to me, I think that functions a little bit better. And then again, I agree with you on the, on the pacing. I think it, it really does kind of go from this slow burn, terrifying ghost ship in space um, to kind of this just out of nowhere, like body parts and death and violence and expo uh, exposition. And like, yeah, it, everything just kind of explodes all at once. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I was... I was enjoying the atmosphere. What the heck just happened? <laughs> yeah. No, no. You know, it's funny. It's excellent because I, I never really thought about that per se. Um, and, and it would have been interesting to have a little bit more of a, of a less uh, to be continued, you know, situation to it in sense. And um, honestly, I know maybe this is just the cheesy nerdy part of me hoping that there's technically an escape vessel that could mystically <laughs> be in space and like kind of throw a, I don't, you know, um, seen the movie, uh, um, oh my God, Ghost of Mars. Uh, not in a very long time. <laughs> so they, they kind of have the same possession concept, but it takes over people individually. So hypothetically oh, okay. speaking, if there was a, uh, <clears throat> escape pod with a body that kind of went over this, and maybe we can have a, uh, event horizon too. <laughs> yeah. there, there's, there is a TV show in development. Actually. Yes. And they yeah, had to cancel her... that sucker because of dang, well, temporarily, not, not like, it's not like canceled for good, but I understand they had to stop a little bit in regards to finances on that one too, as well. Yeah. Well, may like, it'd be great to see them on Paramount plus though. Maybe. I, th mm. I think it's, I think it's prime. That's right. Uh, yeah, you know, think, you're totally right. Yeah. I you're think it's totally right. To on prime. Oh, and before I forget here too, as well, cause a lot of time on time here as well. Um, so looking at some of the comments, uh, so Q mentions before, says, I'm not buying that Paramount lost some of the scenes from the original cut. They got them hit away somewhere. Hey, you know, that's a pretty good theory. <laughs> um, we have Jordan who says, Hey, Alejandro. Hi, Derek. I love this film. It reminds me of an early, uh, uh, a pan, uh, Pandorum where it only takes a little of the influence in some, uh, some historian to make a, a great space horror film. It's Jordan, by the way, this is, uh, this is, uh, this 
a missing creatures, but it didn't need it because humans were the ultimate ones to get drawn into this hell, which dude, that's a, that's a, like an excellent point. Like, and yeah. that, you know, capitalizes on the concept of, you know, Derek mentioning that, you know, the open space, uh, you know, concept of the fact that, you know, there's not really anything there. Like, yes, we obviously see the Hellraiser like blood and gore situation, but there's a good 20 to 30 minutes that is just the individual itself and their mind and open space. Like yeah. even the concept when they go ahead and crawl into the vents, the vents themselves are not just tiny vents. They're pretty massive. And it kind of reminded me of the movie, the cube with mm-hmm. the metallic green lights on it and everything as well yeah. too. So it was bright, but the moment they shut those lights off, you're like, it doesn't matter how much space that is. It's dark in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that at all. Um, so, you know, bringing up uh, towards the end here before we forget here. So I, I do think that uh, the ending, I wish that, you know, maybe there's, comp- uh, you know, possible con- continuation. You mentioned, you did mention the show earlier. Um, that'd be kind of fun to see how far they could actually, you know, get, you know, get with this. Um, now, I, I will. And, oh, to be oh, fair, ahead, I, I actually wouldn't even mind it being um, kind of like a from dust till dawn situation where uh, it's it's basically the, the retelling of the film itself. But it's drawn out with more world building, more lore, more characters, um, you know, so it, you you get this cast and crew that come together. So it's it's almost like a one off type of thing. Yeah. Um, but you just kind of remake Event Horizon. But all the strengths that we talked about, you get to stretch them out over, you know, a, a couple more episodes. Um, so then you can correct some of those mistakes in the end where things kind of start to draw out a little bit. You can get not necessarily more violent, but definitely more haunting. Um, and I think more unsettling and kind of more disturbing. Um, and you know, to Jordan's point, I think that's where you can really start to dive into the underlying concept of, oh, it's, it's us. We're, we're actually the villains. All it takes is, is a little push. It takes a little hallucination, a little mystery and going to start eating each other alive. Like that's, you know, I, I don't think Event Horizon does that as well as it wants to. I think that's what it's trying to come across, but I don't mm-hmm. think it comes across as well as it wants. But in a series, in a televised series of Event Horizon, you can expand on that by a lot and really dive into this concept of kind of the the ghost ship meets Lord of the Flies, which is perfect for a haunted sci-fi film. Like it, it just absolutely is. So um, yeah, I, I would like, I would actually like to see that um get get put together I, I i would hope that that's what they're trying to do yeah if they did that and, and honestly build up that concept they'd, they'd be fantastic so technically speaking because the end of the ship does go in a thing called a black hole when people think of black holes hypothetically speaking they think of nothingness in theoretical in theoretical terms black holes suck things into it we just don't know where they spit it out so that that's you know theoretical we don't know where it's going so it'd be interesting if they did a continuation of some part of the random universe it took this hunk of you know ship that's out there and yeah. you know th- that'd be great uh, that'd be fantastic um but uh anyway before we run out of time i want to go ahead and thank everyone for actually joining in with us talking about event horizon today derek thank you for being a great great guest in the show as usual being very informative just being great to talk to about this we always love you having the show um guys uh now question for you before i tune out here i, I might have to say i might want to change my rating i, I- uh, are you still pretty much a strong 3.5? Because personally, oh, I'm going to have to put up to a four. And it's okay. It's okay. You want to stay, but uh, that's right. No, I totally get you. Um, I, I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold firm at 3.5. Um, I can see an argument to be made for, for four though. I, this, this movie is, I think it's better than people give it credit for. Um, I think that you can, 
I think most of the flaws and most of the critiques are absolutely true. I'm not, I'm not discounting any of the criticisms. No, not at all. Yeah. I think most of the criticisms, even the harshest ones are pretty fair. Um, but I really believe that this movie has more strengths than weaknesses. Um, and I think those strengths overshadow it a little bit. And so I, I giving credence to those flaws, I got to keep it at a 3.5. Um, but I, I enjoy the hell out of this movie, man. I, I think this movie is just absolutely wonderful. It's just a fun little cult horror classic. I, I love it. So heck yeah. Heck yeah. No, I agree with you. The only thing I had to go over, because oh, we kept on talking about practical effects and practical effects got me to move it up a little bit. Cause yes, that's, that's, a, Glenn Dor, that's yeah. a worthy point bump for sure. Yeah. That's, like I was like, all right, I have to do it a little bit. It, the only thing I'm kind of cruising on general, but, um, uh, before we actually go to outro, um, Derek, do you have any uh, social media uh, accounts people could, uh, keep update? Uh, up to date with you with sorry yeah no you're good (laughs) Uh, no, absolutely, guys. Uh, follow me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at DRock Comedy. It's DROK Comedy. Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you're still there. Uh, I just my name, Derek Murray. Um, you can also find me on nerdbot.com. Uh, I'm there. I'm a film critic for them and I do writing all the time. It's a great website, great nerd news. Um, and I do tons of reviews, pretty much anything that's new. And when I have the time to do it, I try to try to knock it out. So um, definitely check those out. Yeah, definitely check those reviews. Very affordable, very fun, and, and spot on a lot of ratings, in my opinion, my friend. So definitely, definitely check Derek out in the reviews and just, ah, oh, great stuff. Um, now, that's all the time we have talked about today in regards to Event Horizon. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure to join our Discord to keep the conversation going, as well as subscribing to our platforms. All of them are going to be at Non-Tot Network. Shout out again, once again, guest, Garrett, uh, guest Derek. I really appreciate my friend. Um, in regards to non-watch review and basic binges are in podcast podcast forum you can listen to them wherever you get your podcasts please tune into our next show until then i'm your host alejandro cowie uh i know you can also find me here and the social media accounts on instagram i am cowie and crimson cow himself once again you guys have a fantastic night thanks for tuning in have a great day